Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. G'day. G'day. G'day, Caitlin. I'm back as your neighbor. Uh, I know. I'm so excited about this. I am so excited that you are back in Manhattan and not over the bridge in Brooklyn. Um, although, listen, nothing against Brooklyn. It's great, but it's just no Manhattan. And second of all, I have Kamala back. <laughs> That's right. My exercise bike has come it's back come to back. live with you. Yeah, yeah. It's come back and uh, I've already used it and I'm super happy about it. And if you need to come to the gym, yeah. i.e. my apartment. So you could do this as a weekly thing. You come over here, we, <gasps> a good we idea. cut a pod, and you yeah. you uh, get on the bike. This is like, um, it's perfectly acceptable for two podcast co-hosts to share custody of a piece of exercise equipment this in is right. Manhattan, New York. Do I wish I had a working kitchen? Sure. Is yeah. my wife pleased that I'm about to go to Charleston for a couple of days while there's still boxes to unpack? No. no. But, Sorry, you know, Claire. This is the life that, we, that chooses us. Claire, this is why you are the wife of wives. Yeah. You're also the queen of Governor's Island and you're essentially the boss of the house in all aspects because you're an Aries and we love you. That's right, fellow Aries. Let's oh, I have we have some reader mail. We have we do. some Let's get a to preview. It. Should we start with reader mail because it yeah. sets the table for Miami. We had um you know, it's interesting because Cuz we're doing this also before the men's final today, um which um is fine. Because we're going to watch that and it's going to be a fantastic match. Can I, we're going to get to all of that in a second. But I just want to preface we are doing this before the men's final. Yes, we will talk about Miami. We will talk about the women's final. We will talk about some of the um, conflagration I waded into Ooh, um, yeah, on you Twitter. Did. Which elicited some strong reactions. And, you know, that's sort of an interesting place to start the podcast. Which is, you know, when we started this, it was your idea when we were hitting... Uh, down at the East River Park many, many years ago. And you thought, oh, this would be fun. And then in the ensuing years, we've de- built quite a devoted following. The people who listen to your podcast have grown exponentially. And I kind of forget that they actually listen and... Email us. Email us. And they... It's so easy to just... have strong opinions either way. Yeah. And I actually... I think it's great. It's just... It's so easy to forget that people like actually listen to what we're saying. So yeah. it's sort of a nice reminder. Hey, we appreciate it. To be Although I did get engaged. an email um, yesterday from some person, dude. I'm just going to call it a dude. Um, because the dudes are always the one that write and they're just... And I, I... He's just... They are so rude sometimes. And even on Twitter. They're just guys. <laughs> like, come guys. on. Calm the farm. I appreciate the feedback, especially when it's constructive. And it's, I think, a a testament to the fact that people are engaged and care about tennis. And maybe some of the other media entities in the in the space as good a job or as thorough a job as some of them do maybe don't offer a place that has you know sort of brash opinions and which is what we (laughs) sort of proudly offer we are brash we are um you know and obviously in my dream scenario tennis has a bunch of very brash women well just more excitable engaged voices who are running the gamut in all sorts of opinions i Mm. think sometimes maybe the work we do at racket or some of the work or voices that we have sound especially loud because everyone else is so quiet. Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. I, look, I mean, I think the, the issue is with any sports um, media or people that, you know, cover the sport, they really, they don't want to piss off the, the players. They don't want to piss off 
the people that are really essentially selling the sport, which are the players. Um, so they don't want to put them in positions of like saying something negative about them and then and then the player will turn around and say, I'm never doing, you know, X or I'm never doing this network again or I'm not doing an interview with, you know, the New York Times or, you know, Eurosport or ESPN or whatever it is because they said something terrible about me. So you do run into that issue, right? For sure. Um, and it has happened in the past. So, you know, big networks or big, you know, papers, or they, they sort of don't want to push the envelope too much with, you know, saying negative things about certain people. Although I did see an interview yesterday with uh, Carlos Alcaraz and there was a... There was a long, long-term Australian reporter of tennis that just asked the most asinine negative question I've ever heard in a press conference. Mm. He said, so, uh, Carlos, you have lost the number one ranking. You have essentially not – you didn't uh, win Miami again. You – I'm like, where is this question going? Like, basically, listen, dude, you suck right now. Yeah, may God have mercy on your soul. uh, No, he's actually (laughs) the greatest thing that's ever happened to men's tennis in 20 years. Yep. And we should be excited. And he lost one of the most incredibly intense matches we've seen in a long time. And how lucky are we to have the Carlos Sinner yeah, matchup. emerging rivalry. I mean, it's literally the new Roger and Rafa. It's great. You know, because I don't say Nole in there because I feel like Roger and Rafa were the two guys that really liked each other, really respected one another and beat the shit out of each other in matches and then shook hands and were like, hey, buddy, great job, too good. And also had totally contrasting styles in a way that they were, you know, personified uh, and also the first strike tennis, the, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities between, you know, Carlos and Yannick that I think we can explore fully. Both of them are incredibly nice, incredibly nice guys. Like literally they're so, like even you heard Medvedev when he won, India, when he lost in Indian Wells and he turned around and he congratulated Alcaraz and he said, he said, Carlos, well done. I mean, you're the nicest guy. You say hello to everyone, 300 gonna, people a day. I'm going to keep a podcast tracker of the people you think are nice, and then it's going to become very obvious who you're not talking about. <laughs> because I feel like you're, whenever you'd go into you this... You think I'm um, transparent? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. It's funny because the trope of you being like, they're so nice, and it's like, who cares? But then you realize as you start to listen to you talk about these players that there's like some glaring omissions that you're not talking about, and that's actually where the meat is. So... This is not a way to talk about the men's tournament, tournament, which we'll get to, but just more to say, like, it's so nice. And in my sort of dream of dreams, tennis gets what all these other sports have, which is a rambunctious, vital marketing campaigns. Just no, just more energy and more Mm. at sometimes disagreement. Hopefully it's constructive, but just when there's not enough action and your voice seems super, super loud. Sometimes it's because, you know, you're obnoxious, which I have to, you know, think maybe is the case. But also sometimes it's just because everyone else is afraid. And that's sort of the part of tennis that I really want to see change, where we have something like The Ringer, where Bill Simmons is covering all these different sports with so much engagement. And yeah, people disagree. And yeah, some of them are yelling, or maybe some of them are snarky, or some of them are devoted and, you know, idealistic. But it's the mix, and it's the whole what, what, some what's of your the point parts. here get my point it. here is that <laughs> we need to demand that tennis media get better and uh, us demanding that it gets better is yeah. both trying to make better media but also trying to hold other people in our sphere to account yeah and that's a theme i think so in the spirit of being held to account we got a really nice long thoughtful email from a listener a long-time listener called nancy hooper nancy thank you for writing in and i hope you, you don't nancy. mind that uh, we i read that email and it was you devoted a lot of time to it so and it was thoughtful it. and i hope you don't mind that i'm going to excerpt you here because nancy moved from I'll, I'll sort of summarize uh she moved from the west coast she was a devoted attendee to the bmp party about open she went to the sunshine double and was curious to experience it after you and I gave it terrible reviews, mostly due to the site location. <laughs> um, and she said some of her other friends have done the same. And we kind of got into, you know, she gets into why because of the the folks who owned the old Key Biscayne, um, you know, facilities. Well, Key Biscayne was very nice, but the Key Biscayners didn't really like it either. And it outgrew Key Biscayne, let's face it. I mean, for the last, I would say, 10 years of the, uh, of the tournament in Miami at Key Biscayne, it was just, it had out... It had outrun its course. They wanted to expand on Key Biscayne, but the Key Biscayners, as I said, and um, and the local government were not 
going to allow that to happen. So they did have to move. Were they going to find big enough space to put it? They decided to put it at the Dolphin Stadium and use utilise the enormous parking lots there to put tennis courts down. And, you know, for us tennis enthusiasts that go from Indian Wells, which is literally tennis paradise for a reason and to go to Miami it's just like a little bit of a downer let's face it although having said that I know that it's easy to walk around you can see all the tennis and Nancy expressed her feelings that she loved it and she got really close to the courts and she experienced um, seeing practices and watching matches and she fully enjoyed it and listen if you guys out there enjoyed it, please don't be afraid to tell us because you are coming from a different perspective, say from me, for example, who the last time I was down there I was coaching. So I'm not really out in the weeds as much as the spectators are, for example. So for me, it's coming from Indian Wells where, you know, it's just so beautiful to Miami. It's very different. So yeah. I'm glad that she gave us that thought process. Yeah, me too. And and she had some kind words for Sabalenka who stayed and signed autographs and Titsy Pass as well and you know just the food and the beverage and and one thing that I do want to say because our friend Craig Shapiro talks about this all the time which is like the he calls it the Latin slam because so many fans from you know South obviously America. Miami is full of Argentines, it's full of Cubans, there's tons of people. Venezuelans. Venezuelans. Chileans. But also people come to Miami because it's sort of the the considered you know sort of an unofficial capital. I personally would love if we made a big tournament happen in actual South Latin America. America, South America, Central America. But, you know, I would love to go to that Buenos Aires tournament. I've never been to Rio. You know, there's some there's some spots on there that I think we could create more parity. I certainly don't want to lose the tournament from Miami. I think it's great. I think it's a tennis mecca or certainly down in the south of Florida. Um, it's fantastic. Uh, look, I, I think they're trying to do better and better things there. And obviously, uh, Mr. Ross, who owns the Dolphins, he was there the other night watching Sinner and Alcaraz. So, Maybe he's starting to think that he doesn't want Larry Ellison to get all the publicity and all the joy. One billionaire to another. Um, So, you know, maybe they're putting more and more into it. I didn't go this year, so I don't know if there's any differences. um, I I would say for me, Miami is such a great tennis community and Miami is such a great city. And what I would love to see is that city and place get, and the players, highlighted. Get Better. the yeah, get the facility, the purpose built facility that they deserve. Yeah, instead of just, you know, closing it up and using it as a parking lot during football season again. Yeah, it's it's interesting and um, look, the atmosphere is not great out there for players. I mean, the practice side out is a bit weird. Got to take a golf cart to get out there because it's so far and just little logistical issues like that. It's just it's just not as nice as some of the other um, Masters 1000 and WTA 1000s. You know, Canada is amazing. Uh, Madrid's amazing. Obviously, Indian Wells is incredible. Um, Rome. So, you know, you've got these. The problem is, um, you know, and our listeners like Nancy, like we I've seen all the other places and I've come from, you know, playing in them. And the players are like, eh, with Miami. It's very cool. Center court, you know, obviously Mm -hmm. being in Dolphin Stadium and they get to warm up on the grassed area there so it's kind of cool and the facilities inside are actually quite nice for the players but um yeah anyway but we appreciate you writing in yeah thank you nancy i i appreciate it and nancy expressed at the end of her very thoughtful and long email that she wishes you were going to charleston um because now we made it look really good and my my sentiments are please do come next year our hope is to be doing um content with with tournaments like Charleston and specifically Charleston for years to come because for me the new people who are new to tennis who haven't spent their whole lives maybe playing or watching will have I think a great experience in a place like that where they can go and experience a city but also see the best tennis players in the world play on you know a unique surface for a week that to me is sort of a cool next step you know diehards can love tennis in any context I can love tennis in any context but people who are maybe newer it helps to have it be like, oh, it's an explorable city. We can stay in a cool hotel. We're eating amazing, you know, food Food that's, you know. I can tell you Charleston is absolutely on the list of best tournaments of the year by far by the players. They love it because of the reasons you mentioned. Amazing city, Charleston. So amazing that I'm flying down there this weekend just to go down. Amazing. Um, because I just love it down there. The food, the restaurants, the people. Um you know, my girlfriend's never been, so we're going to go and we're going to have a great time this weekend and I love it. So it's definitely worth going if you want to see women's tennis played at its best and obviously experience one of the great cities of, of, of the United States. So let's wrap Miami, shall we? We had an sort of out of the blue 
streak from Petra Kvitova. I think if you looked at the beginning of this tournament, it was kind of more like, okay, are we going to get another Sabalenka Rubikina final? Is Bedosa going to find her form this year? Well, Bedosa almost got that win against Rubikina. That, that could have close. turned around her entire, entire season um, right there. But, you know, Rubikina just has this ability now to get out of these, uh, out of these matches because of the confidence. And that's what really got her through that match. And then, in my opinion, Jess Pagula is the one that dropped the ball at this tournament, and I love Jess so much, and she will have no problem in saying this because she would agree, but she should have won that match against Rubakina. She yeah. was up a break a couple of times in the first set. She had so many opportunities to win um, the first set, and then in the second set, she led in the second set again a couple of breaks. And one of the things that she had said prior to the match is she hoped that Rubakina was going to have a bad serving day, and then she felt like she had a chance. Well, guess what? She had a bad serving day because you broke her about – four or five times, and then you weren't able to finish off the match. So I was thinking, oh, my God, if Jess Pagula had a better serve and, and in a bigger serve that got her just a little bit of a free point here and there, she would have won that match like three and three. It did look – I watched um, that match and thought to myself, Pagula is dictating this. Oh, yes, 100%. Which is, you know, against Rabakina, that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, we know how big a hitter Jess is, and obviously she's extremely consistent, which makes the combination super fun and compelling to watch. Um, but I, I was watching it thinking, I'm not sure why she's losing this. Yeah. And I think hopefully the takeaway from that is, oh, that's my match to win. Yeah. You know, kind of like we were talking about with Paula Bajosa. You know, hopefully the takeaway is, ah, okay, I'm putting myself in position. Maybe it's just the tiniest difference in confidence or feeling like I'm not quite well, I don't my think timing, that she would, so hopefully it's that, right? I don't think that she will go away from it um, thinking other than, Jesus, if I just had Rebecca in the serve, I would have won this match. <laughs> <laughs> so I think she sure. knows. Look, you know, she's five foot four on a good day. I was going to say, five. The, it's not, she's, first of all, she's five six because I'm five five and she's taller than me. But we're not all the same, you know, tiny people. I know it's for you, willowy, you know, tall well, types. I think people just are looking tall down. and then I look at them and I'm like, mm, they're really not. How does somebody like Jess Pagula, or, well, not me, but how does somebody who's the size of us get a Rebekahina-esque serve? Well, I mean, listen, there's been great five-foot-five servers. Justine Henna? Justine Henna, Lisa Raymond. Lisa Raymond. It all comes down to, and there's been more, um, uh, even Roberta Vinci had a decent serve. You know what it is? It's good service motion. motion. You've got to have a good service motion. And all three of those that I just mentioned had beautiful classic service motions. Yeah. They had efficient, high elbows, beautiful take back, down together, up together, like the classic good service extension. trophy motion. And they yeah. did. They three The three that I can just pull off the top of my head that yeah. I know had good service motions. And then they could propel themselves into the court. And they all three served well over 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And accurately. So that's what it comes down to. So if you're teaching your kids out there, if there's coaches that listen to this or parents that feel like they can coach, don't. Uh, um, <laughs> think again. <laughs> think again. Uh, but but honestly, it's about – and look at Richard Williams. He's a perfect example. Like, did Richard know anything about tennis? No. But what he did was he studied it and all that sort of stuff. And you look at the service motion of Serena, for example. Yeah, it's classic. And he taught her to throw a football. If you can't throw a football, you probably can't serve very well, mm. right? Because your technique is is shit. And if you have a really good serving technique, I bet you you know how to throw a football. Yeah. And, I mean, Sam Stowe's is a great example. I mean, Sam's not that tall. What, maybe five, eight. seven, eight, maybe? You know, and, I mean, look at that serve. It was massive. Yeah. So, so the bottom, and Lisa Raymond, for example, five, five, maybe. I think she's five, four. I say she this as somebody who's five, five. She says she's five, five, and I said, I think that's a lie. Um, I think you're five, five when you're on your toes but but she's a perfect example lisa can spiral a football like yeah. you can't imagine so that's the key like if you're a kid and if you're my kids small they're not going to have a great surf but bullshit that's not true they can have a very good surf just make sure they have a good service motion that's the key all right well jess pugula renee is waiting to throw <laughs> football with you i know that jess has tinkered around with her serve she's tinkered around with her feet being together, bringing them up together, keeping them separated. Like there's been a lot of – I know that David and her have worked on her serve a lot. And there are times where she serves actually really quite well. But, um, but in that match, it would have it, been. It really hurt her. I am not surprised to see where Bikina, she got through some squeaks. She's feeling confident. She moves quite well, as you noted, for yeah. somebody who's as tall as she is. And Moving her movement great. has gotten better, like we talked about on a She's prior episode. She's working with our new fitness trainer, Zula, who worked with um, – 
Carolina Plishkova for a while and I know him personally because I worked with Carolina at the same time he worked with her and just a fantastic guy super positive knows how to work with players like that he worked with um, Thomas Burdick before that so he knows how to work with tall players that sort of don't have that natural quick movement so he's done I think he's done a fabulous job with her moving in and out of it corners. shows it shows the difference in this week I think comparative to the week before is this court was fast mm-hmm. a lot faster than Indian Wells so it suited Petra Kvitova's game. She could really utilize the lefty swinger. She could, you know, take advantage of her one-two strike tennis with such flat ground strokes. I think also her serve into the forehand body was quite um, a good serve against Rabakina. And then also Rabakina is expecting the serve to come to her forehand on a big point, right? Because it's such a weaker side to her backhand. And it's not to say it's bad. It's very good forehand, but her backhand is... It's like sick. Mm-hmm. So I could see Petra on some big points go, you know what? I know you expected the forehand now. Bang, straight to the backhand. And she can do that with the lefty. You can disguise it. So I think it. the matchup yeah. actually suits Petra quite a bit. And th- actually they played pretty recently in um, the Czech Republic last year indoors, which you think, okay, that's definitely going to suit Petra because she's such a good indoor player. But you're also playing against a player that in that particular situation is also a Wimbledon champion coming in with tons of confidence, you know, a couple of months later. And <clears throat> funny enough, it was actually 7-6-6-4, which was similar. But this time, Rabakina won the first set tiebreak 7-5. Huh. So on this occasion, it gets flipped. And of course, this, you know, and Petra hasn't really done anything Well, that was going to be my main question for you, which is, you know, I think those of us who've been watching tennis for a long time know what Petra Kvitova is capable of because get her on a fast court and feeling confident good night but where what what, where has she been and what do you think if anything this might indicate about her being back I think what this indicates is Petra Kvitova at her Petra Kvitova's self Mm -hmm. I mean this is who she is she runs these random tournaments where she just mows everyone down Mm -hmm. and then she goes away for like six months I like that you know I mean because her game is so predicated on small margins mm-hmm. of the way she plays she doesn't she very rarely puts any spin on yeah, the not ball a ton of spin. it's just flat chat yeah. so when she's on good luck right. right which is why she's won a couple of Wimbledon titles because the grass suits itself so she's this type of player so if you look at her results for example this year alone I mean she lost to Kasakina in straight sets um she lost to Jesper uh, she beat Jesper Gull and Sigamund at the United Cup right mm-hmm. With not a lot of pressure, just kind of having fun. So she plays great there. Then she loses to Kasakina in Adelaide. She loses to Kalanina in Australia in the second round. Like, Kalanina's a good player, but, you know, she loses to Coco Goff. That's you a know, matchup that you wouldn't necessarily. You think maybe she can win that against in uh, Doha. And then Dubai, she loses Krajikova easily. So she kind of, there's no indication. And then all of a sudden she gets to Indian Well, she plays quite well. Although, having said that, she should have 100% lost to Jasper Gula in India Wells and she gets out of that match and wins it 11 I think it was 13 11 in the third set tie break it was ridiculous that match and then she loses to Sakari having being up a set and 4-1 that's right she was two. up a set and so a, she's up and against Sakari you think yeah she's definitely going to win this match and then she loses right. that right you know so I you think oh, okay that's a typical Petrokovic of a match and then god love her she goes to Miami and just runs the table runs the table I want to talk a little bit about well, first of all... I mean, the first set tiebreak, though, can I just say? I want to talk a little bit it about the 16, first set tiebreak. 16-14. Holy moly. Five, five set, set points. points against her. They both had loads of set points, but obviously it was always going to come down to that. And what I was tr- trying to get to a while ago, but typical me, uh, tangent, um, <laughs> I think Rabakina fought mentally the whole week. I think it's so hard to do the sunshine double. Mm-hmm. There's only a reason why only a few people have ever done it. Yeah, it's and a most long... of them have been really great to the game. Stretch of time it to be so on. It is so hard to do... It's a month-long mental stretch. and In you know, drastically different conditions. Drastically different drastically conditions. Drastically I mean, Lindsay Davenport is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. She won, like, Indian Wells, like, I think five times or something. Could never win Miami. Very different conditions, although she's from California, so she likes the conditions there. But she hated playing in Miami. Like, so, you know, there's a very few that are able to do it. I actually thought she was going to do it. But I think mentally, I, I, I didn't take into consideration because she's so cool, calm, and collected I think mentally she was fried. Also, well, especially given the amount of matches that came down to the wire in this tournament alone, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just like, that's emotional fatigue that even somebody as 
you know, sort of serene on the outside and icy. You and have I mean, to you imagine see it. Like, you. listen, I mean, I've spoken about it before and I've copped some shit from him and her camp and, you know, giving Stefan, her coach, shit on this pod a couple, you know, last year about being really negative and stuff. But I mean, I'm sorry, but like, it takes its toll. Sure. Like, she's telling him to shut the fuck up, like, a couple of times in the semi final. Like, at some point. You know, obviously they they like the relationship. It's going really well. She's winning a lot of tennis matches. He's obviously making a huge difference for her tennis. And there's no question that he's done an amazing job with her career. Yeah, clearly it's working. But my point in telling you in the first place when I spoke about him, at some point, oh my God, the negativity and the chatter that he does in matches, it takes its toll on you as a player. And it's only because she's so chilled Strong. out. Yeah. But she can deal with it. But even she's telling him to shut up. Now, whether he's telling her something positive or negative, I don't know. But when when you are tired, which she would have been emotionally really tired and physically, not getting a lot of sleep, you're stressed out every day, it's like it takes its toll on you. And so maybe it took its toll on her in the final that she just she didn't have to fight, particularly in the second set, because it was a pretty quick second set. I mean, Petra took a three-love lead in like two seconds. So I think that mentally she was probably as fried as anyone. So, I mean, just take it on board. It's, it takes, a, as a tennis player, under those, t- you know, circumstances, it really does take it out of you emotionally and physically. And we saw it with um, Alcaraz. Maybe it took it out of him in the third set against Sinner. Yeah, he looked tired. Yeah. Um, well, he let's, was cramping, which is... He physically, yeah, his muscles were yeah. act, actually tired. Actively so was tired. Sinner, though. He was cramping the well, second yeah, set. It so was a crazy match. Let's talk about that match, just because I think, you know, as exciting as the Sinner Medvedev, and I love the fact that Medvedev is getting to all these finals, I oh. think a tour with Medvedev frequently... And guess what? He likes this court. I, he actually he likes his court. No, he hasn't bitched about anything. I just, his Lacoste commercial we just should just talk about. It's I don't know if you've seen it. Everyone go form an opinion because you haven't watched it. Nancy, uh, go look at it. Yet, Nancy, we know you're going to watch it. Um, we'll talk about it next week because it's pretty funny and weird, and I I think it's performance art um, of the highest order. I cannot get enough of Sinner Alcaraz. You're I'm not oh. the only one. This is the future of men's tennis, and it's great. It's great. It's incredible. The I don't points know if you follow they... me on Twitter. Of course, what are you doing? I'm joking. <laughs> but I am obsessed with these two. It's amazing. Like I literally stood here the other night watching the match. I was here with my friend Jill and Eden, and we were watching. And I was going just. I must have said after this one point that has now been replayed a hundred times on Twitter. Are you effing kidding me? Are you effing kidding me? What the fuck am I watching? This is insanity. You know. And when you're talking to other pros that played the game at a really high level and all of them are losing their minds over the the tennis that those two guys yeah. play against each other is ridiculous. They both move unbelievably. He's the most efficient mover I've seen for his height I've ever seen. That guy moves <laughs> so well, it's it blows my mind. He's sort of like a cat. Right now I'm posting this episode from Charleston, one of the truly, truly great culinary destinations of the world. The eating is not light, so I am very, very excited that Waiting For Me When I Get Home is my Saqqara Signature Nutrition Program, which makes it super, super easy for me to plan nourishing, feel-good meals around my busy schedule. Dinner plans this week? I don't have any, but guess what? I don't need to because the options are endless and they're catered to my taste and time. Sakara brings expertly designed organic nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their science-backed, ready-to-eat meals deliver results you can see and feel, from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout. That's Sakara S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash racket to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash racket. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, the two of them are, and that's the thing about the matchup that makes it so exciting. To me, it's the fact that they're... That's why getting the Sabalenka-Ribikina final that we got in Australia made me so excited. You see these players at the top of their games, and they kind of expand the notion of what's possible, you know. And for me, watching Sinner and Alcaraz, the two of them, especially where some of these points actually illustrate what's possible, it shouldn't be possible to have a rally that long where each of them hit probably four or five winners behind the back, slices, lobs, running forehands. I mean, you know the point I'm talking about, right? Of course. That point was of course. a joke. I mean, uh, it was a joke. Alcaraz and then was to finish with a flick, twice. flick backhand crosscourt. Cross but Alcaraz was on his ass twice in that yeah, same Alcaraz point. Yeah, Alcaraz made a diving and slice forehand. Dove, he actually was on his ass three times. No, it was incredible. It, it was just, I just, and have I said this before? They're great guys. They're great guys. They're so they nice. They really are. They what really I've heard are. is that they're so nice. They are so nice. They're so nice. They really are. Um, Men's tennis is in a great, great place. I think women's tennis is in a great place. Yeah, the product yeah. is great. The product um, is great. I was lucky enough to be on one of your Amazon Prime Video Sport colleagues show earlier this week. The backup plan. The backup plan with our friends Hannah Ostapchuk and Jason, Jason Spells. Spells. And they were sort of asking about parody in the games. And, you know, oh, now finally we have parody in the men's game. And to me, parody is the fact that it's we exciting. have a cohort yeah. of people who can win and it's not just the same couple names because for me the fact that women's tennis was always like well there's no one reliable victor it's like excuse me why do you want to watch the same person win everything all the time i mean i know we talk about this all the time and that's not to take away from any greats greatness but i like (laughs) the parody i like the idea that it's just a question mark like i didn't know who was going to win that center alcaraz match at any point including the end and including the end when alcaraz looked like he was about to he you know, was like, sure, somebody shoot me, put me out of my misery. <laughs> and I thought he was still going to win the match. I'm like, oh my God, he's back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to tell you. That's to me the, the, when you, your hair stand on end watching tennis is when you truly don't know the outcome. And I'm not saying it's not fun to watch a match where you do know the outcome. And it's so clear that one person is just, you know, putting on a display. But for me, the best matches are those matches where you're like, anything could happen. There are going to be shots we've never seen before. That's what it was like for me watching the Sabalenka-Ribikina Australian Open match. Maybe less pyrotechnics in terms of the movement or shots, but just the fact that they were both going so hard for oh, it. Oh, God. Well, and I didn't know who was going to win. That, to me, is ultimately the excitement of watching live sports. That's why I watch it, because I you loved, don't know what's going to happen. I love that Australian Open final because I've never seen two chicks just get short balls and just say, yep, I'm fucking hitting this. Yeah, it was Not like Not like, ooh, should I? Oh, God, I don't want to miss it. I'm, it was like an artillery range. tight. I mean, you know, when people get nervous, they don't really quite go for the lines. These two were like, nah, going for the line. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was, it was amazing. It was such a great high quality tennis. And I will say like court surface is super important, right? Yep. So Miami is a lot quicker. Apparently it's running at like a 39. Last year was at like a 33. And I don't I know what that is. What is it's that? It's just That's like the speed. rating of the of speed? The rating of the ball. When it hits the court, what's the revolutions? How quick huh. is it coming off the court? So basically it's at running at a 39, which is quite fast. And it was 33 last year. And I would say, I don't know what Indian Wells was, but I would say Indian Wells was probably like 31, 32. Oh, yeah. Very slow, very gritty, a mm. lot more sand in it. Um <laughs> pretty much because the desert blows sand onto the court can't, can't not be sand so they just rolled it into the surface right. um which is why medvedev was like this is not the tennis court this, this is, is not a, hard court no nope. <laughs> this is whatever like it is hard court he knows. um sure. so you know it's super quick in miami which is why i said obviously petra kvitova um it was so successful there because it lends itself to her hitting style totally so for example the men's final let's take that for example obviously alcaraz in indian wells it's a bit slower. He can hit through the court for winners. He can also run down everything. You think, well, so does Medvedev. He plays the same. He doesn't have the spin that Alcaraz has. Alcaraz's ball hits and spins off the court mm-hmm. a bit more than Medvedev's kind of sits there a little bit more. So it's harder for him to generate winners. And that's really where the Rafa comparisons, I think, are really yeah. accurate. Yeah. And and then you've got 
just the mo- Novak, the for example, on the he has a lot of action on his forehand. Yeah, Novak does too, Not right? as much on his backhand, and Roger kind of can do it all. Um, but but I say this final, and it's good we're doing this pod before the final because I'm really not sure who's going to win this final. Yeah, me neither. Because Sinner, if it was Alcaraz Medvedev, I think it would be a lot closer this mm. match today than it was in Palm Springs in Indian Wells. Um, but I think Sinner, this is going to be interesting tough match for him because I think Medvedev this court really suits him mm-hmm. so what is Zinner going to do now right to beat him and if I was to, to take a book for Darren Cahill and say if you watch Alcaraz he out, he actually out hit Medvedev Medvedev couldn't do anything yes so I would say green light every ball just hit every it. ball as hard as you can rush him come into the net try and finish the points because if you try and play from the back of the court just hitting 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 Medvedev's going to win the match today. It does seem, not to get too technical, because this is really more your bailiwick than mine, but it does seem like one of the things about Medvedev that I see as being a a huge, I mean, he moves so well for a guy who doesn't look like he moves well. balletic? I would say it's balletic in its own way. (laughs) And, but he stands so far back. Yeah. And Sinner's angles have to be able to be deployed quickly, right? Against, yeah. I mean, because Medvedev's fast and he covers a lot of ground, but I have to say, tactically, there must be a way to maybe not hit through him on the baseline, but hit through him using the entirety of the court. Well, I would I would employ a little bit of, and he doesn't really have this, and maybe he can employ this today or get better at it. I would use a slice a little bit and bring him forward because mm-hmm. he the one place that Medvedev is not comfortable is at the net. Sure. So you've got to find a way to bring him forward to hit then through him. Um, so we'll see. Alcaraz did that, the drop shot. Yeah, the drop shot. He can right. also slice and then bang, he yeah. can hit it through you. So we'll see Darren's you know obviously one of the great coaches of all time he'll be looking at all the stats and trying to figure out a way um, for Sinner to win this and I would love to see Sinner win it me too because that would really establish Sinner Medvedev Alcaraz Djokovic yeah as the top four players in the well world. I have to say my favorite part of the year is about to happen it starts tomorrow and it's clay season yes. I love clay season I, I love it I love it I love it I think if grass court season were longer and if it were a little bit more you would like that the most promoted I would like the most because it's actually the surface that I like to play on the most yeah. and I like serving a volley we know because you're serving volley right um Lesbian. despite being five five lesbian I have a pretty good serve when it when I when I used to surf, but my point is, I you're making a face, but thank you for not illustrating it out loud, you dick. Um, I love clay season, and I love the fact that truly, truly, it's chaos. And I have to say, I think the best ticket in town is going to be the Roland Garros match. Well, pretty much every match Carlos Alcaraz plays on clay. Well, every match Carlos Alcaraz plays these days is like gets the most hype because he's so exciting to watch. But what I would like to see is. Rafa come back. Yep. Healthy. Yeah. He's obviously talking about not playing Monte Carlo um, because he's physically not going to be. He also prepared. never does well, well there. No, yes, he does. No, he's, he doesn't. How many times? Look up how many times I'm Rafa's sure he's won, won a, Monte Carlo. But probably not recently. Hasn't Titsy Pass won it like three or four times? today. How many times has Rafa won Monte Carlo? Can All right. While we up? wait for that answer, I and would say I would, he hasn't I'm going to say at least time. five times. But here's the thing um, I think he's not going to play because he wants to be really, really ready and he knows he's going to go full on hard. I think he's going to play obviously Rome, Madrid, Barcelona, and try and get all the tennis under his belt before the French Open. But I would love to see Alcaraz-Rafa semi or final, and then I would love to see Djokovic. It will be in the other semi or final, for sure. Um, And we'll see what, you know, these other guys can do, like Taylor Fritz Fritz and, um, you know, poor old Dominic team. He can't win two matches right now. But, you know, so there's a lot. There's a lot. It's going to be exciting. And um, the women's is going to be exciting I because Iga is definitely the favourite at the French Open. Um, these big, how many times did he win it? How many times? I said five at least. Eleven. Oh, so Caitlin, he's only won Monte Carlo eleven times. But has only, he won it recently? Honestly, all right. No, our listeners are just dying right now with the lack of in, in information that we're giving to them. We're supposed to be the experts. I'm going to edit all of this out. Oh God! Okay, fine. so I don't look as dumb as I clearly am, but um, he's only won it twice. Speaking of looking dumb, I um, <laughs> I should I address the Twitter confirmation about pickleball or sure, should I leave, let, let it go? No, you can bring it. Um, up. I, I just I, maybe the you can bring it up because all of our listeners are right on your side. Well, it's I, I don't want to preach to the choir. It's just I want to explain myself a little bit, which is that seeing Agassi and Chang and Roddick and McEnroe play pickleball for charity. Well, you know why they're doing it, right? Because they're getting paid a, a lot, lot of money. money. Yeah, yeah, and and I get it, but it's because not. I would say 
John and Andy. I don't know about Michael. Um, and who's the other one? Andre Agassi. Oh, uh, Andre. Um, I would say that um, none of them like pickleball at all. They think it's a joke. They're taking the money. I get it. I also, you can't do a charity event. Any event that all four of them would do would make boodles of money for charity. Oh, so you, I see where you're going here. So why don't Andre, Andy, Michael, and John McEnroe play a double set? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for the Ukraine or yeah. for, mm-hmm. you know, uh, alleviating, you know, I don't I, Because t- t- obviously someone in tennis didn't think to pay them a million dollars or whatever. And each. this is sort of, this is what I want to get back to at the place we started, which is a lot of times, and most recently, whenever I sort of go off on Twitter, I get a lot of feedback behind the scenes from like <laughs> folks, some of whom are like, yeah, but a lot of people- I'm a man, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> I'm a man, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, who's like, you're negative. You're a real loudmouth. You are, you know, and it's like- can't hey. you use that energy as a positive? Right. Well, I'm trying to by making... I'm joking. That's, I'm, no, I'm sure I'm, what you get told. But it is But it is a good valid question, which is I'm trying to by putting into the world things that I want to see more of. I want to see more travel content. So we're doing a travel content series with Andrei Pekovich this week in Charleston. I want to see more beautifully designed um, merch and posters and events. So that's what we're doing. I want to see more loud thoughtful amazing voices who can blend coaching with like random people on the street which is why we made a finger pointing at me then well i as soon as you said loud i should know i'm talking about you but i think like you actually didn't point until you said loud that's right now just to make it clear but i think you know i am trying to through all of our efforts and all of our friendships and all of our partnerships with racket be both an active critique of the system but also make the case that you know, we're we're putting our money where our mouth is and spending our money and spending our resources to try to do stuff that we want to see more of. We don't want to be the only voice in town. We certainly don't want to be super, super argumentative all the time. It's it's tiring. So for me to watch our legends play pickleball with, you know, knowing that they probably don't like it because somebody was more opportunistic in the pickleball space. That's right. They have a lot of venture capital. They need to spend it. I think they need to convince people that this is a real thing, at least until they can exit and get their returns on their investment and sell it to the next sucker down the road, because the truth is it's not a viable pro league or television product. Then it makes me angry that the entirety of the tennis ecosystem, or at least most of the tennis ecosystem that we see, Tennis Channel included, ESPN included, um, our legends included are are happy to to sort of lay down their arms and be like, yeah, sure, this latest fad thing, why not? We're not doing a particularly good job of making tennis the center of our universe and promoting the game and making it as popular or as money making as it should be. But here's like the latest thing. Let's go hitch our wagons to that because it seems exciting. That to me is really the defeatist energy of it that I find so I ha- appalling. I have a harder time, uh, and I'm not saying this because I work for ESPN, but I have a harder time. I don't. ESPN are putting on a whatever, an hour or two exhibition fun thing with people that are going to get eyeballs on it on a mm-hmm. Sunday where there's not a lot going on on a Except Sunday Except the Miami Open. Okay, but hold on. I don't have a problem with ESPN doing that because they're paying, they're, they're putting it on there and they're getting the sponsors and et cetera, et cetera, and they're making money from it, right? So because it's a fun thing and they don't have tennis on until the slams. I ha- and so that's an opportunistic thing for them because ESPN don't aren't focused on tennis for sure, right? They are focused on entertainment, sport on their networks, right? I'm we're currently of watching, all types. you know, while we're doing this, I have the replay of the F1 race on ESPN because it was at one o'clock in the morning and I was too tired to watch it, and right. I'm watching the replay today. Right. So that's that's ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports, tennis channel is supposed to be tennis channel. Okay, so that's where I have an issue is they have it on tennis channel and because they have it on tennis channel because pickleball people and associations are paying for it to be on their channel. Okay, so that's a very different scenario to me. Is it going up against the, the, the final, the pickleball thing? Yeah, it is. But is that ESPN's problem or is that is that tennis channel's problem to push the tournament to say shit hey no, maybe do this lovers, on a different day tennis maybe lovers do this- are probably gonna watch andre agassi and john McEnroe and andy roddick and michael chang over the stuff on our network so i guess they have to work around that to me that's the bigger issue and i think you're right i don't i don't blame espn in this scenario as much as i am frustrated that the tennis world especially when this thing i would just like espn to take back miami <laughs> for sure well this and is- all the masters 1000s <laughs> 
Although, honestly, based on the Australian Open coverage, I'm not sure that that's such a good, viable idea anymore. I was really disappointed in the Australian Open coverage. And I think, you know, we can have a, I think, probably maybe slightly disagreeing, but hopefully ultimately just a constructive argument about... I know that all the talent and... I'm sure all the talent wasn't happy with it either. And the the echelons of the tennis people, they would absolutely... Trust me when I tell you they want to be down there. Oh, for sure. You know, Um, and sometimes decision-making is out of the people's hands that want to bring you the sure, sport that they I'm love. sure they didn't, you know, I'm sure they, they didn't, you know, give people the option. Expect something different next year. I'm good, hoping. good. I, I hope that that's the case. Yep. But I think for me, just seeing how popular the sport is recreationally, unlike pickleball, which claims 30 million, but it's actually seven. Unlike the idea that this thing is going to be a huge moneymaker, tennis already is. It's the best sport for women to play. It is inclusive. It has been on the right side of history. It's not a colonial boomer white sport the way that this thing is that is attempting to take over our purpose-built facilities. If these guys were all playing this on a sidewalk and not coming after our legends and our stars and our airtime and our networks and our roller rinks in I'd central like, park get oh god don't even get me started the amount of people who sent me that article uh, infuriating and i think that's what that's what their vc money has bought it's bought the illusion of an inevitability which is frustrating because the truth is it's not a very good product for a pro or or television of, television it's, not, it's terrible on TV. product and it's sort of like there it's the most cynical least uh you know least difficult path path of resistance to me which is why all these you know men who've invested in it and men who are making all these decisions um you know playing it and it's probably because they play it and Mm. so for me it's it's frustrating to watch our sport that's so it's never been better from a product perspective and from a recreational perspective at least not since the 80s get sort of obscured that's where my anger comes from and i want to use it productively by talking about it explaining myself and trying to put that energy into making the sort of product and the kind of world around tennis that i feel like they should have been making the whole time that's what this is it's not me firing shots at people because it's fun i would much rather be working with them to make things better i had a very very long meeting with some of the executives at some of these places where Olive Branch, let's work together. Let's combine forces. They don't listen. They don't want to. No. They don't think that there's it, anything to be added. Caitlin, I listen, you know, I have my own TV show now and, you know, it, we really want to make it one of the better uh, tennis coveraged shows, right? You, you have. You know, unfortunately, we don't get B-roll. We have to pay for that. You know, Amazon have to pay for the rights to show a point from yeah. Miami or blah, 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 right? So they're not... They're not going to. They're not going to pay all that money for B-roll yet, right? Because we're a new um, sports and it's expensive sta- station, and it's very expensive, right? So, um, you know, so my only access to tennis players, for example, is through them coming on my show and doing an interview, and we talk to them. And we've had we had Jenny Brady on last week, which got a ton of views on the social networks, um, and people were so excited to see Jenny Brady and find out what she's doing. For sure, um, you know, I've had I had. Um, I've had plenty of tennis players. You've had Christian. You've had Andrea Pekovic. You've had a handful. Yeah, Rohan Bapana on last week talking about his historic win in Indian Wells in the doubles and being the oldest man to ever win a title on ATP. You know, all this sort of stuff. Mark Knowles came on the other day. And then I'm getting pushback, for example, from um, the WTA and saying, uh, well, what are your numbers? And, you know, we can only give access to players, to the people that are paying for the rights to show that. I'm like, hold on a second. The only people paying for rights or paying the associations is Tennis Channel, right? They have the rights for the tennis to show it and to interview the players. But there are so many players that don't get asked to do those interviews. There are so many players that don't get asked, you know, their opinion on stuff. There are so many players that don't get an article written about them because these tennis, you know, you know, Tennis Channel or ESPN or Eurosport or New York Times or you know, the Boca Raton Gazette or whatever, they only care about the stars. Right. That's all they care about because that they feel that that sells their sport. And I'm asking, for example, the WTA, to, I don't need the top players. I would love them. I can email them and I can text them myself. Yeah, the good news is you know Jess a lot Pagula of them. will do my show like this week. directly, yeah. Because I'm just texting her myself. Right. But it's like... But they should see that you're trying to amplify their, their product, sport. their players, their jobs, and help them do it. Which, by the way, working for Amazon, 
which is an enormous footprint in the world and probably a future rights holder, if we're being honest. Well, they're the rights holder in the French Open now. Right. For, you know, all of Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But it's like, you guys don't, you cannot see the forest through the trees. Um, and I just think it's lazy. I'm sorry, it's lazy, and I don't care what anyone says. Our sport is run horribly from a marketing standpoint. And they're all out of their minds with this break point on Netflix. Oh my God, we're going to get such great cup. This is going to bring so many more new fans. To- really? Is it? Okay, great. If it does, fantastic. But can we amplify it in other ways as well? Well, I think the, the to me, the one thing I'll say about Breakpoint is it is a huge dereliction of duty that the tours didn't do this themselves. Hello. Like, exactly. are you kidding me? Yeah. Who's making all the money? Who has the, deal, the slate deal with Netflix? Box to Box, the production company that's done this four times. Is Breakpoint even their best effort? I would argue probably no, not from what I've seen. It's not. It's fine. There's, I mean, it's there's fine. some elements of it that are good. I'm not complaining about the fact that it exists. But like the fact that also setting aside, giving away your, essentially your marketing responsibilities, but also your marketing dollars and the return on that to another third party with your intellectual property that you've now given to a third party instead of doing yourself. Do you have an on-ramp for those people who discovered tennis first through Breakpoint? How do they find tennis on your network? They're not going to see it on Renee's show. They're not going to see it in Racket because we don't have any rights. They're going to have to go to the tennis channel, subscribe, and work their way through a very arcane process to try to even watch the players that they got to know about. Where can they go to find information on the internet? Maybe occasionally the New York Times says a story. We don't have the resources to do a 24-7 newsroom like I used to do at time.com or the Washington Post.com. Where are they going? Are they going to tennis.com? Well, nope. I'll tell you what, they are better they not be to... going to the WTA.com. Like, who's doing your website? The amount of times I have to go to the WTA and say, guys, um, you know the match point is actually not on the video for your website. So I don't want to trash the WTA, but I'm trashing the WTA because there are so many areas where they fall so flat. And, and the ATP do a much better job with that. And it comes down to the do- dollars. I get it. Well, no, no, no. But I will but say... It to- doesn't come down to dollars because, for example, you guys at Racket, with the smallest budget, with like three people working for you, <laughs> do a way better job. Uh, w- listen, we're trying. We have... There are plenty of things I wish we were doing better and that we were doing more of. I am not saying this in a position of, you know, being a know-it-all. It's just more like your allocation of resources is not to create a resource for people to be able to spread, interact with, and learn the game. And that is what I would argue you should do. Because as good as the ATP is, and as much better and obviously more well-funded as they are, they still have takedown notices for people who organically share content on the internet, which to me oh, is yeah, that's horseshit. just an example Ridiculous. of your fans trying to find your content and share it among themselves. Does that yeah. hurt you? Does it take away from your bottom line are these people who would otherwise be paying you but aren't paying you because they're seeing it for free on the internet absolutely not the level of sophistication that they have with an understanding of how essentially it's all marketing but the level of sophistication that they understand of the internet of how audiences work audience growth and storytelling leaves a lot to be desired and so for me i i want again this is all in the spirit of please do this better so that we can help right like that's sort of I think why it gets us so animated because it's like you're sitting here with a show and a huge platform. And they're like, I'm sorry, we were not able to give you anybody at the 1000s. We could maybe work on it in the 250s and 500s. I'm like, cool. They're the same players. Yep. I mean, the same tournament. It's just making themselves irrelevant because what we're finding at Racket, and I'll give you an example. So, like, uh, there's a player who has won a Grand Slam who doesn't feel like she gets a lot of coverage from you know the networks nobody's asking her name nobody's calling her for special interviews with her in in the media rooms at these tournaments and tours haven't or and the brands she works with haven't really propped her up she's now coming to us saying like hey can I work with you guys how can I show my sides of my personality how can I be somebody who's not just seen in this one dimensional way not yet um and Again, I say this with humility and a true desire to help. If brands are coming directly to us and players are coming directly to us and I come to the networks and the tours and say, hey, work with us. We have the authority and the brand awareness. You guys have the reach and the access. Those are two... I got some chocolate in my peanut butter moments. Like there's an overlap there. And so for me, it's, it's just sort of short sighted. And again, I'm not saying this as a way to complain. I'm just saying it to illustrate, like, do I wish we could do a lot more stuff? Yes. Do I 
feel like the tours are in their own ways and a lot of these networks are in their own ways absolutely and and to me all of the critiques and all of the seeing people get excited about pickleball it's because so many things are lacking dumb in, in our own infrastructure and it's it to me it is a zero-sum game having been in rooms with investors with venture capitalists with private equity groups and having them say to me oh well we're not really that interested in tennis because you know what's exciting is pickleball and I say, but the global reach, the actual product, the players, the history, the culture, the fashion. Then they say, yeah, but pickleball is like, it just seems easier. And it's like, you know what? Uh, that's true. That's true. There's probably less headaches, less tours, yeah, less, lot. you know, they're probably willing to do stuff with you. They're probably willing to play the long game. And they're probably willing to, you know, from an organizational standpoint, beat the drum of their product, which is bad. But that's not something the tennis world is willing to do, and I really, really, really would love to see that change. Listen, I could go on and on about, um, you know, the amount of, the lack, in my opinion, the lack of marketing from the WTA standpoint, and I'm only going to talk about the WTA because I don't know enough about it from the ATP standpoint, but, you know, when you had shit crowds in Dallas or in Fort Worth last year for the WTA finals, and they said, well, we didn't have a lot of time. It, what? I don't care if you have one month or two months. I mean, we put a party together in LA. If 250 <laughs> people came in six days. We put that together. Like, if you have the outreach and the people, and where the you brand know, and the understanding, and you yeah. have players that you know have already, um, you know, solidified themselves into the WTA finals, and you don't have them on Good Morning America, right? Yeah, or the Today Show, right? Or CBS Morning, you would probably have them Good Morning America because it's a synergy with ESPN and the Grand Slams, sure. whatever. It doesn't matter. Everyone's so obsessed with tennis. Trust me when I tell you, there's a lot of superstars that are obsessed with tennis. Yeah. So work with them. Get them on TV and say, hey, listen, and we're, we're, we're going to be in Dallas-Fort Worth. There were so many people that didn't even know the tournament was on yeah. in Dallas. Well, I would, I would argue don't put it there. Well, I know. We, we, can, yes. we can argue all we want, but when people in the city don't even know there's a fucking tennis tournament yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. Right. Of the best tennis players in the world – that's on you. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, agreed. That's agreed. on the WTA marketing. And I know I'm harping on it and they're like, well, you know, it's money. No, it's not. It's passion. Sorry. It's passion. Like you can play, play some intern who plays tennis at Missouri, <clears throat> um, you know, who's in a journalism school to say, hey, got any creative ideas for us? Yeah. To get this out in the Dallas-Fort Worth area? Well, that's... So there's... Stop being lazy. Yeah. I think... I think uh in that spirit, it's clay season. A new tournament is around the corner that we are excited about. I haven't about. been fired up in a while. Well, no, it's 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 such a good. I just got moment. that email the other day about yeah, basically it. saying like, look, you know, we can't give you anyone. So I'm getting texts Sorry. from powerful people who should be not worrying about what I'm saying on Twitter and instead doing their jobs. Yeah. Um. And do your jobs. or or I'll take it from you and do it for and, you. Uh, and you know, as far as tennis channel is concerned, listen. You know, it's it's a lot. They have to cover a lot of tennis, and I get it. They have a lot to do, but it's not great. I mean, honestly. And I then you and then you see six pickleball channels on there. Yeah, and then and you you're just like, oh, yeah, just yeah, concentrate yeah. on the the tennis. Yeah, yeah. Part of it, right? Um, anyway, all right. They, they can't because they're getting paid by pickleball. Well, pickleball pays to be on tennis I, channel. I understand. Tennis channel have to pay a Miami to have the rights to to ha have the tournament. That's you the would difference. Think they would be excited to make it profitable um all right well with that in mind there's a new season there is a new surface there are new names there is a new spring breeze in the air so maybe change so. is upon us yeah. and we can look towards um you know better days because yeah i think all the harsh words are intended to be taken as an impassioned critique but also create occur about like hey we're having a bit of an exist existential crisis how much longer can the powers that be keep doing things the way that they've been done and stay in power? And you know what? I'm going to just throw a last thing before we, we hold it. Tennis players, you also need to be a part of growing this sport. And when you're asked to do an extra five minutes or something, do it. Okay? Because it only puts more money in your pocket. That's the bottom line. Because if you can advertise more of the sport, you Yourself. get it more out there. You know, look, these players gave so much to this break point and they did give a lot of access. And some of them came to me and said, I can't believe they didn't use this stuff or that stuff or this stuff. I mean, we had a fight here. and mm -hmm. We had this here and I let her into my psychology session and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they didn't use any of it. Right. Use that stuff because the players are okay with it. If they're allowing you into a room when you're having a psychology half an hour session, 
they're obviously saying to you, you can right. you can use this on right. your show. And they didn't use that stuff on their show, which is shocking to me. Well, hopefully but the last, next couple episodes will be better. I, I hear it's a little bit more dramatic, so we'll, yeah. we'll find it. We'll find out very soon. Anyway, right. well, thanks for joining us. Hey, Nancy, thanks for writing to us. We really do appreciate you listening. And all of our listeners, thanks very much. I'm sorry, I was a bit hot-headed today. I love it. All right. Uh, on that note, bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.